You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Now time will come and your time's right up. Looks will fade away. Head enough. Take, take, take. And never give Hi, I'm Mike Nikolich, DJ at Chirp Radio. Today's Chirp Artist interview features Bruce Iglauer, president and founder of Chicago-based Alligator Records. Alligator is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Bruce, I am a big fan of Alligator, and it's a pleasure to meet you. Well, thank you very much. I'm really glad to be on the show. Well, let's start at the beginning. Did you ever dream of working in the music business when you were attending Lawrence College in Wisconsin? Uh, I dreamed of becoming an academic, actually. Uh, The thought of running a business didn't appeal to me at all, and I never took a business course or a music course. I can play about five chords on guitar and vaguely sing on pitch, but I fell in love with the blues. It happened in 1966. I came down uh, from Appleton, Wisconsin, 200 miles away, uh, to the University of Chicago Folk Festival. I was I was interested in folk music, but I wasn't really very knowledgeable. And I heard Mississippi Fred McDowell, and it changed my life. In 1968, I convinced the college to bring a Chicago blues artist up for a homecoming concert in the fall. The only piece of information I had was something I had read in a folk music magazine, which was, if you want to hear the blues in Chicago, go to the Jazz Record Mart at 7 West Grand and meet Bob Kester, the owner of the Jazz Record Mart and the Delmark Records label, and he'll take you out to the south side or the west side where you can hear this music in its true environment. So I, in fact, went to the Jazz Record Mart, met Bob Kester, who was one of the most fascinating and charismatic guys that I've ever known in my life. And he did indeed take me to the South Side to Teresa's and the Blue Flame and introduced me to Junior Wells and Lefty Diz and a bunch of other people. And I ended up booking Howlin' Wolf to come to my college in the fall. And that was the fall of 69, actually. And the Howlin' Wolf show was great, but it was very poorly attended because the school did a pretty lousy job of promoting it. So I was very frustrated because I had fallen in love with this music. By then, I was coming to Chicago almost every weekend and going out to the South Side and West Side clubs. There were no North Side clubs. And I thought, I'm going to prove that there's a bigger audience for this if it's just well promoted. And I took $600 that I kind of squeezed out of my family and promoted a Luther Allison concert in November of 1969 at the Little Theater on my campus and sold it out and then some. And Luther at that time was just getting ready to release his his debut album on Delmark. And I took my three posters and all of my success story down to impress Bob Kester, who, as I dreamed, offered me a job uh, as the Delmark Records shipping clerk. And with, with that lure, I moved to Chicago in January of 1970, thinking I'd stay for a year and then go on to graduate school and be that academic I talked about. And here I am. You launched Alligator Records in 1971 by recording and promoting the LP Hound Dog Taylor and the House Rockers. Tell us the story of how you introduced Hound Dog Taylor to stations around the country. Well, I was able to press a thousand copies and then I ran out of money. I was still working for Delmark Records, but I got a three-week leave of absence and I, I left a hundred copies with my Chicago distributor whom I had solicited and I put the rest of them in the back of my car and I drove from city to city visiting radio stations, often 24 hours a day, meeting the progressive rock DJs who were people who were programming their own shows with no playlists, no music director, you know, no charts, none of that. 
And I would walk in with my big hair and my big beard and meet the DJs with their big hair and big beards and say, I just made a Chicago blues record by my favorite band and it's loads of fun. And, and I'd love it if you would play it. And instead of saying, well, you know, we'll have to check with a consultant and I'll have to talk to the music director and see whether we can possibly slip this into midnight rotation. They'd say, oh, wow, man, far out and put it on the air. Bruce, I know there are dozens of artists, and I'm sure you have a soft spot in your heart for, but is there an album in particular that you remember recording in the first decade of Alligator that really jumps out at you? Well, I would think of the second album that I did with Coco Taylor, The Queen of the Blues, which is called The Earthshaker. We did it in, in, I believe, 1978. Like Albert Collins, Coco had had a moment uh, of great visibility, actually on on Black-oriented radio, when she had the hit song Wang Dang Doodle on Chess Records, produced by her original mentor, Willie Dixon, uh, that was on radio in 1966. But by the time I met Coco, which was about 1972, you know, chess had been sold. Leonard Chess was dead uh, at, at a very young age, I think 49. And Coco was back to doing what she did before, which was cleaning houses for rich people. She was a housemaid on the North Shore. So Coco was singing on the weekends with her friend Mighty Joe Young. And during the week, she was doing physical labor. When we went to, to do the Earth Shaker, I had suggested to Coco that women needed a blues anthem that so much blues was performed by men and was from a very masculine point of view. You know, I'm a hoochie coochie man, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a man. Uh, So I suggested to Coco that, that she write an answer song to I'm a man by Bo Diddley and Manish boy, which is a very similar song by Muddy Waters. You know, one of those songs that goes do, 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 boom, boom, do, 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 do. Bruce, who are some contemporary blues artists that you believe are pushing the envelope to keep the blues relevant both in Chicago and around the world? I'm very aware of the fact that blues is a traditional music. It needs to keep one foot in the tradition, but it's got to be careful not to try to recreate what's already been done. You know, I have artists who are naturally, uh, I, I guess you'd call them retro artists, artists who love the, the established styles of music. Little Ed and the Blues Imperials, one of my very favorite bands. And, you know, Ed and his brother, uh, Pookie, James Young, were the nephews of a 1950s Chicago blues man named J.B. Hutto. And Uncle J.B. taught them how to play. And as far as they're concerned, that's the way you play the blues. But then I've got artists like Shemika Copeland, uh, you know, who is the leading female blues artist, I was going to say of her generation, but maybe the leading female blues artist in the world, started as a blues and kind of traditional R&B singer. Her father was Johnny Copeland, you know, the great Texas blues singer and guitar player. But Shemika grew up in Harlem, not Texas. Um, so she's, you know, she's a very knowledgeable, modern woman. Her most recent album has a song about gun control, gender equality, and about treatment of, of gay people. And it has a song about race relations. And she sang, in this case, she sang a song called Clotilda's on Fire, which is a song about the last slave ship that brought slaves to the United States just before the Civil War. She's coming for you. 
hear the chains rattle Turn you into a slave Another piece of chattel Bruce, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Alligator and you have helped resurrect the blues and kept it relevant. But people may not realize he also helped save dozens of lives when a train you were on with the Sun Seals Band in 1978 derailed and fell into a fjord in Scandinavia. It happened at night, and we were on a a four-car train going from Gothenburg, Sweden, to Oslo, Norway. And we were in the last two compartments of the last car. We came around a curve, and the car derailed. And the car turned almost completely upside down and skidded down this very steep embankment and ended up with the tail end of the car sticking into a fjord uh, that was both deep and cold. There were a number of injured people, and the train car was slowly slipping into the water. And we realized that we had to get the car evacuated. Uh, I had heard my drummer call out, Tony Gooden, and it turned out he was very badly cut and bleeding you know, from, from his forearm, you know, just fountains of blood. So we first got him tourniqueted. The bass player I mentioned earlier with Sun Seals, Snapper Mitchum, had been in Vietnam and he knew what he was doing. So he helped uh, get Tony's arm tourniqueted, but it was cut all the way to the bone. And then the only way out of the train, because of the way we were against the this embankment, was the back door of the train, you know, the, the sliding doors that, that separate cars, except that instead of going from left to right, it was turned so, the train was turned almost upside down so it had to be lifted up vertically uh, to get out and it was off its its runners and three of us struggled to lift it up to, because it was the only way out of the train you know we thought if we don't do this we're going to drown and i had that experience you know that they talk about where the, you know grandma lifts the burning car off the grandchild and i grabbed this door and lifted it up and then i got in the corner of the train car and made my body rigid and and lowered the door slightly onto my shoulder so i was being basically the support post that was keeping it from closing again because one of the things I know is grandma only gets to lift the burning car off the grandchild once. She doesn't come back and do it over and over. So I stood there inside the train car. The band began evacuating people into the fjord. Now, I was I knew that I couldn't move because if the door would close and I would be sealed into the train along with anybody else who was still in the train car. So I knew all along if I was going to get out at all, I was going to be the last guy out. Uh, it was the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me. I woke up this morning I had my baby on my mind I woke up this morning I had my baby on my mind Thankfully, Bruce and the members of Sunseal's band survived that train wreck. Bruce, congratulations on 50 years with Alligator Records. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to meeting you. For more information on Alligator Records, go to alligator.com. For Chirp Radio, I'm Mike Nikolich. Thanks for listening. This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org podcasts.